Hello and welcome back to season two of oh, While You Were Steeping, a curatorial tea and culture podcast. I'm Michael Mandelios. And I'm Hayden Rogers. And it's a pleasure to be back <laughs> with you finally to get our teeth sunk into some steaming hot tea on tea. Well, I suppose you would not sink your teeth into it. No. You know, like... Sink your <laughs> tongue? Oh, no. Ooh, your lips? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nothing's good here. Nothing's working. Yeah. Take a nice, deep sip of tea. There you go. <laughs> a sip of tea on the tea. So, um, so this season, we're planning, at least, to get stuck into some really in-depth detail on each of the varietals of tea that we've been, you know, sifting our way through and, and getting into kind of the history again, you know, but more specific now and into some fun science. I do love mm-hmm. some science and really getting into flavor profiles and just giving you a kind of um, infomercial info deep dive on, on tea. I, Should we do it all as infomercial characters? <laughs> oh my God. Can we please? Wouldn't that be fun? Oh God. Um, yeah. Well, we're starting today with my my surprise favourite from last season, Oolong. I'm so shocked that we ended up starting with Oolong. (laughs) Deeply surprised that that was the choice that we made. But also it's probably the one I know the least about and did learn a lot about in researching for this. Yeah, me too. So on that note, what were the the first kind of key things that you found about Oolong? Okay, well, um, so it's in the East. It's actually sort of Wulong. It's like W-U long um, instead of oolong. I don't know why we decided to change that, I guess, just because white people suck. But um, (laughs) yeah, so it's actually kind of like known by those two names. And then there are three popular theories for the name. Did you also find that? Yes, I did. So it directly translates to black dragon. That's what it sort of means. But then there is the three name theories, which I thought you would have come across. So um. What's the first one, Michael? <laughs> uh, so the first one that I had. Oh wait, we should we should say that also we um neither of us kind of conferred about what we were researching here, <laughs> so we are just sort of like seeing what sticks. Um, yeah, we yeah. wanted to see whether or not we would find a lot of the same stuff, or whether or not we'd find a lot of different stuff. I'm not going to be surprised if, as we go further on, Hayden and I have branched off in very different directions. <laughs> um. <laughs> So the first story that I found was that it was named after a person who created it, um, who, who okay. had the name Wulong. Um, so uh, the the origin goes back supposedly as far as the Tang Dynasty, so from um, the early 600s to the early 900s in um, the Phoenix Mountain area of the Fujian province. Um, and at first it was actually called something else. It was called Beiyun Tea. Um, and supposedly it was a, it was a tribute tea. Uh, and then that kind of carried on into the Song Dynasty going from the 900s into the early 1200s. Uh, so that was the first, the first kind of the story I found about it was that the, the name actually came from someone who kind of created and discovered the method of making oolong tea. Well, it's interesting because you said it was also a tribute tea, which is kind of the second theory. Um, that it they used to, you know, have these tribute cakes of tea when they used to c- compress tea into cakes and they would carve uh, pictures of phoenixes and dragons into them mm. um, as part of that. And 
so that's where they think maybe black dragon came from because there was used to be a dragon carved into this cake of tea um but then when the tradition moved to loose leaf they sort of retained the dragon part of that name and just called it black dragon and i think there's also probably tied into that story is the same story of the farmer i think whose name was wulong again in Fujian again. So I think I'm I'm guessing here that we can all agree that it originated in the Fujian area in China. Oh, for sure. Because that's the third theory. The third theory is that it's just named after the Wuyi Mountains. So Wu, Wulong, where, where it's produced. Interesting, because I did find one story, same kind of, same kind of story, but um, just a little bit more detail. So it was the farmer again, Farmer Wulong in Fujian, um, and he was picking tea and then a deer comes along. And he decides yes. to hunt the deer instead of picking the tea. And so he left he left the tea sitting around for a day. And because it got oxidized, it changed the flavor. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought your first theory was. That's what I have for that. <laughs> That's yeah, the, an- cool. the Anchi so, theory. And that kind of gives us, that kind of brings us back to, hang on, you have an actual name for that story. What's, what is oh, it Oh, wait, that's just, so that's just named after another region. The Anchi ah, theory, which is from right. that region. Um, okay, cool. So, yeah, there's those two main... In the Fujian province, there's the Wuyi and the Anchi regions where they're mainly produced, like, the most well-known oolongs. Which kind of brings us to the key characteristics of what yes. makes oolong oolong, because oxidization seems to be a really important part in these stories. And it actually comes back to a, a conversation we had with Hilary from Elmstock, Mm. Um, back in last season as well, about obviously the height at which you plant trees, tea trees, has such a huge impact on what that tea becomes. So this may sound really naive, and I don't know if this was new information for you, but I didn't realise that green tea and black tea are effectively the same genus of the same plant, just grown under different conditions. Yes, well, I did know that. And also, I mean, the main difference being that... Black tea is just high, is like highly fermented, and green tea is unfermented, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So those those things were new to me. I, I, very silly me. I assumed that they were different, um, kind of like subspecies of tea trees. I didn't realize that it was actually just completely down to the method of growth and and then creation. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, and then uh, well, what I didn't know is that oolong tea makes up the vast majority of the range of tea um yeah i mean i don't think it's actually like physical like obviously there's more green teas and there's more black teas and there are oolong teas in the world but um in terms of the the flavor profile the range of oxidization you have like green tea is like between like zero and twelve percent Black mm-hmm. tea is between 80 and 100%, and oolong is the rest and of that. Oolong range. is everything in between. That's right. And so that's the thing as well as while doing my research, I realized that oolong is pretty much what you can call any tea that sits somewhere between those two ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. really interesting. And, and of course, so that brings us down to then um, height. So there are kind of very specific height specifications for growing oolong tea. So I noticed that in Taiwan, yes. which also has a really rich history and culture of growing oolong specifically, and it's kind of a, a very 
uh, it's a point of pride in Taiwan, their oolong teas. Um, I noticed that for a while there, they were growing it at heights of about 700 meters elevate, elevated above sea level. Um, and then that's gone up as high as a thousand, one and a half thousand, 1.8 thousand. And I think I read somewhere that there are oolong teas that are even grown as high as two kilometers above sea level. Shivers. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I also read that the, the higher elevation of Taiwanese teas is what gives them some oolongs, that creamy flavor. Yeah, that's right. So again, that comes down to the to the oxidization and and yeah and and and, and the elevation. What's really interesting as well is that the, um, part of the reason that elevation is such a contributor to high quality in tea is also because it makes them easier to protect from pesticides. Uh, sorry, from pests, and therefore mm. they don't need pesticide treatment on the plants because the elevation naturally means that they're not getting contaminated by you know bugs and and whatnot also cross-fertilization becomes no longer a problem i was reading about some mountains in taiwan where there are these um betel nut trees that grow in lower elevations and so they need to be sprayed with pesticides in order to get their nuts and the problem is that at those low altitudes there's a lot of kind of cross-contamination between the betel trees and the tea trees in the in the harvesting seasons mm. but as soon as you go up above the 500 meter mark that's not a problem anymore so as soon as you get into the oolong range like 700 meters and above mm. um then you don't have to worry about pesticides and you also don't have to worry about cross contamination in your harvesting as well well so oolong is better for you <laughs> <laughs> absolutely now is it I believe I remember reading correctly that as you go higher, because you're getting more oxidization, the tea gets stronger. So therefore black teas, good quality black teas must be grown higher and higher and higher. I think that actually the oxidization is part of the process, the processing of the mm-hmm. leaves. So I think the flavor profile definitely changes with height, um, what you get out of the leaf. But I think, so part of the process is you bruise the leaves and then depending on what you want to do, you'd leave it to oxidize. Right. Um, so that, yeah, it's, it starts to like the oxygen starts to work on the flavors. And then, you know, after that we have a whole bunch of other steps, including like firing the leaves and stuff like that. Um, so, which again, like will change the flavor because you're sort of roasting leaves and things. So oxidization, I think is actually part of like the processing of the leaves. Whereas like, um, the height elevation of the leaves does have a big effect on the flavor notes, I suppose. Right. Right. Okay, cool. So speaking of all of this talk about oxidization and making sure that the, that the trees are kind of um, able to grow in a high quality environment, which also uh, has a lot to do with the quality of the soil, because as you go higher, it gets, the soil gets rockier as well and less, less kind of, you know, muddy or, 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 um, loose, loose soil, and it becomes mm. more like rock fixtures and whatnot. But what's really interesting is that oolong teas account for about ten to fifteen percent of tea production in China. Um, so, so mm. a good solid market. And as we've established, a lot of oolong teas are considered to be higher quality because they've got that richer flavor profile. They've got that sometimes that creamy texture, all of which is difficult to attain. So I don't know if you found this, but there are naturally protected areas in China. So not national parks per se, but effectively 
areas where um, there's not allowed to be too much industrial development in the area so that there's no pollution in the air in and it's around the Fujian area specifically so that oolong tea can be grown um so yeah there's there's effectively like they're not national parks but think like a national park for growing tea (laughs) because there's restrictions on development um in order to protect the quality of the tea as it's growing which I think is really cool and quite surprising for China where there's such a huge problem of pollution and such a huge industrial industry. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I actually didn't find that, but that's super interesting. Um, but Yeah, I thought that was really cool. But also with the, with the processing of the leaves, um, speaking of that, I, I actually finally looked up why they're rolled and twisted. <laughs> yeah. They, they are sort of all kind of rolled or twisted. That's sort of the two different ways you can do it. Um, and generally the high quality ones are, you know, a full leaf that's been either rolled into a ball or twisted. So mm-hmm. rolled oolongs tend to be, it, it, you're sort of doing that to minimize the amount of oxidization. So it's like, uh, you're trying to sort of keep it as a more like green oolong on that end of the spectrum. And you're like literally minimizing the surface area that could be affected by oxidization and fermentation. Um, and it should actually remain quite green when it unfolds. Um, but also they noted that, um, they, they might like roast some leaves and then roll them up as well. So you could also have quite a dark oolong, um, in that style as well. But that's sort of like, I think the sort of initial reason why they were rolled was to sort of hinder the oxidization process. Um, yeah. Then the twisted oolongs actually vary greatly. So sort of region to region rolled oolongs are sort of done that way. Um, to produce a fairly similar flavor, but twisted oolongs um, in the Phoenix Mountains, they are they are only oxidized up to about thirty percent and get natural notes of fruit and flowers and things like that, and then lightly roasted. But in the Wuyi Mountains, the twisted oolongs are oxidized up to nearly seventy percent, and they'll be like brown and heavily roasted and get very like you know uh, charcoaly. Uh, body hot like full-bodied flavors so like oh hang on the woogie mountains they're the ones that are protected oh yeah that makes sense yeah yeah and they've got these amazing kind of like little rural villages that look like they've been taken out of you know a century from well from centuries ago you know even even the level of kind of civil development there Mm. is is quite low because they've basically just kind of (laughs) put it in this kind of little old tiny bubble so that they can (laughs) so that they can preserve preserve the growing methods and everything a little brigadoon in china Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, well, that makes a lot of sense because some of the most expensive, well, the most expensive teas in the world come from the Wuyi Mountains and they are oolongs. Coming in seventh, sixth, fourth, <gasps> second and first place are oolong teas. No way. In the most ex- most expensive is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, most expensive per kilogram tea. Wow, that's nuts. And I do have notes on each of them. <laughs> And it makes sense that they would be expensive because they take a long time to grow and a long time to harvest. So my understanding is that because they're higher, they get less access to water because there's a lot of runoff from the rocky kind of surfaces, Mm. which is why the plants grow slower. And therefore, obviously, if it grows slower, that means you can only harvest it so often, which means, of course, the product is going to be more expensive. Yeah. I'll do a quick rundown of these 
expensive teas. Um, do it. Okay, so in seventh place, we have Silver Tips Imperial, which has a price of $1,850 per kilogram. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> Um, these are like based on the, the price is based on like sort of the record for how much it's sold, I guess. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, um, basically only harvested. I love this only plucked on full moon days and nights in a harvesting season. (gasps) Um, so that's pretty cool. And you can actually order if you wanted to try it, it is actually relatively affordable. Um, cause we forget a kilogram is a lot. So it's, you can get 50 grams for $30. Um, Wow. Okay, that's that's not bad. That's yeah. not terrible. That's about double the price of most of the great teas that we've already tried on the show. Yeah, because most most of those would be about thirty or forty dollars for a hundred grams. But... <laughs> yeah. Um. So then we have uh, jumping up about double that price to three thousand dollars per kilogram. We have <gasps> Taiwan Yin Tea, which translates to the Iron Goddess of Mercy. The key feature of this tea is that it can be infused multiple times up to about seven times. So actually it's sort of, you know, $3,000 a kilogram translates to $3 a gram and you might need three grams to make a cup, but you can infuse it seven times. So it actually becomes kind of affordable in a, you know, like roundabout way. <laughs> you just have to like spend a lot of money in the first place. In fourth most expensive is at, at $6,500 per kilo. Oh my God, stop. We have, <laughs> we have Shui Chan, which is uh, translated to Narcissus from the Wuyi Mountains, this is Wuyi Oolong. And it was, this is specifically um, the price of a kilo box of um, like a specific kilo box that was sold. And actually the box is like now more than 50 years old and it like has gone on this like uh, big journey uh, passing between different collectors and yeah. So hang on. As, so you said six thousand dollars, six thousand five hundred dollars for a box. Okay, so now we're talking over three hundred dollars for fifty grams. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was first exported from China in 1960, and it's changed like hands heaps of times, and then returned to Hong Kong, where a collector has purchased it. Um. And the the reason that it's sort of, I guess, okay that it's old or like preferred that it's old is because the taste actually increases with age, apparently. But six thousand five hundred dollars a kilogram—that's in um, fourth place. Wow. <laughs> uh, then third place was, I think, a tea that's covered in gold but isn't an oolong. <laughs> um, second place, kind of as a cheat, but it's fifteen thousand dollars per tea bag. Um, no, it's. But specifically because it's from an English company called PG Tips, which designed a diamond-studded tea bag filled with the Silver Tips Imperial Tea from number. That is absolutely cheating. Yeah. But it was on every list, so I was like, fine, I'll mention it. <laughs> but I think it's cheating too. But that was in second place because it's $15,000 per bag, mainly because of the diamonds, I would say. Yeah. Um, what a waste of diamonds. Yeah, and it's like, would you even put this in water like would you use this yeah. <laughs> but in first place far above the rest um it can sell for up to one million nine hundred eighty five thousand seven hundred forty five dollars per kilogram oh my god <laughs> um or us thirty five thousand six hundred six dollars per ounce which is i guess 
20, oh no, yeah, I don't know how many ounces is in a gram, but in there's like a recorded case of 20 grams of this tea being sold um, for 15,896 yen in 98. This is in 1998. Um, <laughs> um, it's called Da Hong Pao, which translates to big red robe. And <laughs> it costs 30 times its weight in gold. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. About $14,000 for a single gram. Um, Robert Fortune, if you remember him, he was our yeah. tea, tea spy. This is the tea he came to steal from China. And, that makes and, so much more sense. And did steal. Um but then because they planted it elsewhere, it's, you know, changed and cross-pollinated and things. It's not the same tea anymore. But this is where he came to find tea. Wow. Um, yeah, it's known as the king of tea. Um, and the mother trees still exist. Um, <gasps> so, <laughs> yeah, this is like tea that's thousands of years old. Can you um, imagine I- what those trees would be worth? Yeah, there's so there's only six trees left. They're protected. They're insured up to um, the Wuyi city government insured the mother trees with a value of one trillion RMB. R- RMB is basically the yuan. Like it's not, but it is. Right. And in the same year, they prohibited anyone from collecting tea from the mother trees. Um, so 2005 is the latest that any tea was produced from these trees. Ah, that's unbelievable. Well, yeah. On that note, I think we should probably get to trying some tea that's slightly closer to our price range. What do you say? (laughs) Okay, good, good, good. Okay, tea time. Tea tasting time. Three teas, which we never committed to. Except that we only have... Two teas today. Yeah. But that's that's okay. So our new tea tasting partner um, is Organa Tea. And we're very excited to welcome yet another amazing provider that wants to um, wants to help us out with our show and wants us to, you know, show their products to the world. Mm. So special thanks to the lovely Cherie uh, at Organa Tea, who runs the business there. She's the founder, the CEO, and brand creator, which love I love. That. I know. Um, and I have to say, she's like super lovely and super chill. And I realize that all of the people that we've been talking to from all of the businesses have been super lovely and super chill. And I just feel like that's just a common theme among people who are passionate about tea. Yeah. Purveyors of tea are all yes. chill. Purveyor is a great word. <laughs> um, also, speaking of seeing, showing out, showing their products to the world, as usual, we will be updating our Instagram and Facebook with photos of the teas we are trying today. Yeah. So make sure you check those out. So Organity is kind of, I have to say, it's very similar to Tea Tonic, I think, in the sense that they've got a really great ethos of, you know, using tea to kind of achieve um, functional results uh, and and blending, you know, um, kind of naturopathic knowledge and, and naturopathic uh, ideologies with, uh, with pur- purveying um, <laughs> really great quality tea. So on that note, we've got two teas that we're going to try today. And the first one is just a nice, simple, straightforward, zesty ginger lemon. 
delish. Um, yeah. What can you tell us about it, Michael? What, what I, I suppose the ingredients are fairly straightforward. They are. They're very straightforward. So it's literally just ginger, lemongrass, and lemon zest. And in this one here, um, you know, you look at it in the package and you can take a look at the photo um, on the Instagram of it on, on, on a little plate that I've put there. And it's, you know, it's a nice, simple, straightforward, exactly what you expect a lemongrass and ginger to look like. So with these ones here, I think it always is going to come down to taste and the quality of the ingredients and how well they've been, you know, curated and how well they've been sourced and grown and how fresh they are and all those kinds of things. So it's hard to know until you try it. But I have to say, and maybe it's just because I've used one of those double-walled glasses where I can see clearly into it, but mine mm. is the most gorgeous gold color I've ever seen on a lemongrass and ginger tea. Mm. So based purely on the color alone, I'm very excited for this one. Um, it looks literally, it looks like what I imagine Felix Felicis to look like, oh. you know, quite <laughs> like liquid gold. Um, so, okay. And it smells great. Ooh, so it should we give it, a, yeah. give it a bit of a go? Let's do it. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's quite good. Yeah, I gotta say it's like no, there is a bit of ginger. I was gonna say it's like mainly lemongrass, which I'm enjoying. Yeah, and me I have too. To say maybe maybe I'm deluding myself here. Call me call me pretentious, but I swear I can taste the difference between the lemongrass and the added lemon zest. Oh no, I a hundred percent agree. Yay, great. Um, yeah, it's it's just really nice. It's just got that fresh lemon, that citrusy lemon flavor to it rather than just the lemon grass itself, which is really nice. I love this. This is great. As far as a, a basic lemongrass and ginger goes, this is a really solid. It's actually also quite cheap. I remember looking at it and thinking, yeah, it's $14 for an 80 gram bag. Um, right. you know, pretty, as far as good quality tea goes, that's, that's pretty solid. Um, so mm. yeah, it's, yeah, this. it's, it's good. And like, you know, the, the problem with a lot of lemongrass and ginger teas that you come across, it's sort of like, they can be like quite weak or just like a bit lackluster. Whereas this is quite robust, you know? Yeah. 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 Robust is a good word for it. Also, strangely, cause it's quite hot here, um, in so we're coming up on summer now. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we're obviously we're up to November here in Queensland where I live. It's 28 degrees Celsius today. Um, I assume it's a fair bit cooler down there in Sydney, but I'm not sure. It is. It is. It's, it's amazing having grown up in Queensland and moving to Sydney that there are actually four seasons in a year and we Shocking. are still in spring. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, where I live, it's basically summer for about eight months of the year and then a mild fall, fallish winter for about four months. But (laughs) really, you can't call it winter compared to anyone who's grown up in the States or or really anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so it's 28 degrees today and 41% humidity. So I thought I was going to be a bit hesitant to have hot teas like this. But because it's lemongrass, it's kind of weirdly refreshing, even though we're drinking it hot. Mm. No, I agree. It I is. I kind of wonder what this would be like cold, actually. I, I was think. just thinking that. I was like, I want to ice this. This would be great ice. Yeah. Anyway, we might give that a go later. Um, <laughs> well, this is... Mm, 
It's a solid contender for me. I think, you know, it's deliberately nothing special and nothing fancy. So I'm not going to say it's mind blowing, but it's a really good, solid lemongrass and ginger. And for the color of it alone, it's really nice. I love it. It's a good Mm. aesthetic tea. Yeah. Well, our second tea that we're going to try is inspired by today's events. So we're recording this. uh, You'll, I suppose, be listening to this tomorrow. But, um... Yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday, the fourth of uh, November, here in, as we just said, here in um in Australia, and currently the U.S. election is being tallied. Um, so it's currently eight forty eight p.m. Eastern time in America uh, on on election day. So polls are being counted and states are being called as we speak. And Hayden and I have one eye on the electoral maps as as we're. As we're doing all of this, and we're, you know, very, 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 very tense, as I'm sure many of you probably will be in the days following, and maybe as you're hearing this. Yeah, so in uh, light of this, we have decided to brew ourselves a cup of My Anxiety Tea. Uh, Which, also- I mean, so very necessary. Yeah, although I do feel like it's a missed opportunity to just call it Anxiety um, of course, this is a- any time we have this with um, the Serenity Tea from Teetonic. Yeah. Same thing, just call it Serenity. But that's all right. We are not we are not brand creators. We are not creators <laughs> of tea. So the ingredients are, are varied. We have the floral scents, which are lavender rose petals, lavender and rose petals. Sorry, uh, the nutty earthy undertones, which are vervain and passion flower, and our spice and mint, which is damiana and spearmint. Uh, so yeah, it should sounds be complex. Yeah, but it should be quite. I think it sounds very complimentary, you know, and it smells delicious. Now, both of these teas being herbal teas, uh, I just brewed for a solid four and a half minutes, but you could definitely brew them for longer. Hayden, did you leave your strainer in as you usually do? I did. <laughs> yeah, okay, so four and a half minutes on both, because um, that's usually what I like for a herbal tea. Aiden's probably gone for closer to almost 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the anxiety tea is best to do at 80 degrees um, and the ginger and lemon you can do at 100. Yeah. Although I'll be interested to see. Yeah. I mean, I I can't see why you'd need to do it at 80 degrees, but. No. Like, because it's herbal and as we've discussed, but maybe it's just to, you know, make it a bit more subtle or something. Soften it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Sure. All right. Well, let's. Smells lovely. I'm mostly getting the the lavender and the mint in the smell. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting to note that um you can apparently reuse this up to three times. So oh, excellent. Okay, well let's give it a go. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I really like this. Me too. It reminds me of a lot of kind of calming sleepy teas that we've tried. It does. Like the spearmint is definitely very present for me. Um, but there's something about it that's brighter than I've been drinking a lot of the um, the ones from Herbtastic that we tried last season, the, the snooze tea and the heartburn tea. Mm. And this one for me, it's just got that kind of, it's just that little bit more fresh or effervescent or there's something about it that's just a little bit 
kind of brighter in its in its flavor notes i think and i feel like it has a bit more body to it than a like a like a, just a mint tea for instance like which is very you know yes very up in your sinuses this is mm-hmm. like quite has more of a body of like a maybe a green tea or something like that mm, i love this this is the more i'm drinking it i'm, I'm kind of powering through it actually <laughs> perfect for today um <laughs> Yeah, no, that's nice. Mm, I'd love this. It's also an, a nice color again, a kind of ambery, mm. ambery, but also green at the same time. Yes, it is. It's sort of like in the in the right angle. It's quite green. Mm, gorgeous. gorgeous. And it smells so good, I think. Yeah, very solid first offerings from Organa Tea. I'll be very interested to see what happens with them as we go further down the line. Mm, me too. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of today's episode. I guess it does, Michael. Well, as always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Steeping Podcast, or you can get in touch with us by email at steepingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Hayden Rogers at Hayden Rogers on social media. And I'm at Michael Mandalios on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, if you are enjoying the show, you can make a small donation or a large donation, if you like, to the That's Not Canon Productions Patreon and become a patron. Yeah, so just head to patreon.com slash that's not canon. And by supporting the network, you'll you'll support us. You'll support a whole bunch of other amazing podcasts on the network, which you should definitely check out. Uh, and, of course, you'll also support Hayden's Kill My Darlings. Oh, yeah, that one. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends, stay safe, be well, um, especially over the next week for our American friends. We, we hope that, you know, no matter what happens, uh, stay safe and, and make sure that you take care of each other because uh, it's possibly going to be a bit of a scary time for the next little while. Uh, so, so just keep that in mind and, and, um, and make sure that you have some tea at the ready when you need it. Yes. I was going to say T infinity and beyond, but I'm like, should I have a second, should I have a new catchphrase for season two? I don't know. Should we? It seems, it seems like a staple. I feel like we need to stick with it. Okay. T infinity and beyond. While You Were Steeping is a That's Not Canon Productions podcast. For more information, head to that'snotcanon.com. Canon with one N.